Welcome, welcome. I hope you guys are excited to embark on our new series that we are starting tonight called Ghost Stories. All right. Anybody in here a big fan of ghost stories? Yeah. Some some of you some of you are like, no, no, no. All right. Well, in this series, we are going to be introducing and talking about on a deeper level the third person in the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. And so to start that off, I have to tell you a story about a man who found himself in the jungle, uh, in the clutches of a very hungry lion. And this man of God decided, God, he cried out to God, God, fill this lion with the Holy Spirit. And right as he prayed that, a flash of lightning came from the heavens. It hit the lion. The lion hit the ground, put his paws together and said, thank you, Lord, for this amazing meal. Wow, we got one giggle. Okay, all right. Now, it's important to kind of know our backgrounds when we embark on this uh, journey of the Holy Spirit because there are a lot of different views of the Holy Spirit. Some people, you know, kind of don't really like to talk about it. Some people love to talk about it, and so there's different. So let me kind of fill some backgrounds, okay? How many of you, would, when you were growing up, you're from like a Methodist background, denomination? Methodist? Any Methodist? No? Okay. Sort of. All right, over here. They're like, it's like current. They're like embarrassed to like raise their hands right now. All right, so what about Presbyterian? Presbyterians? Any Presbyterian? No? Okay. Uh, one that's kind of big around Knoxville. Uh, anybody from the Catholic Church? Catholic Church? All right, we got a Catholic. couple ca- Catholics. All right. Um, Episcopalian, that's like Catholic light. Any Episcopalians? No? All right. Um, okay, what about Baptist? Baptists, all the Baptists in here. All right. Well, a lot of people, they can't tell the difference between um, the denominations, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help you out. Uh, the Protestants, they don't recognize the Pope as the leader of the church. The Jews don't recognize uh, Jesus as a Messiah. And the Baptists don't recognize each other in the liquor store. I wasn't going to tell that joke until I saw how many Baptist backgrounds there was here. How many of you could just say, I'm just straight up heathen. I did not. I was not raised in the church at all. Thank you. You're my favorite people. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. Okay? Because there's no reconstructing, you know, what we have been taught our entire lives on the subject of the Holy Spirit. Now, this subject is actually one of the reasons why there are so many denominations. It is a one of those conversations that it causes division, people can't agree on it. So what I want us to do today and through the rest of October is to try to not think about the way that we were raised and taught, but to really open up our eyes and our minds to just see what the Word of God has to say about it. That's what I love about our church being a non-denominational church is because we really go, okay, but what does the Scripture say? What does the study of the word say? Not what we think we can wrap around our own doctrinal theology about. You know, there are things, the way I was raised, I was raised super Pentecostal, okay? So there's things that I've had to go, okay, let me open up the scripture and see, all right? And so I just pray for you guys that you come with an open mind this month and an open heart as we learn deeper what the scripture says about the Holy Spirit. Now, I've titled this Ghost Stories because ghost stories are, are spooky and weird, right? And some people really love them, and some people are terrified by them. 
There are ghost stories that me and my pals used to tell each other in middle school that still haunt me to this day, okay? And that was a long time ago, all right? And so, but the thing is, is the Holy Spirit is very similar to that as well. Some people really think that the Holy Spirit is spooky and weird, and some people love the Holy Spirit, and some people are terrified of the Holy Spirit, right? And so that is why we've titled it Ghost Stories. Um, the thing is, is he's not a ghost, all right? The way that we get that translation from, you know, a lot of, uh, like I think it's the King James and the New King James, we'll call it the Holy Ghost, is because our Anglo-Saxon English translation is gas. All right, and that really translates to spirit, okay? And so in the English, translating it over, some put Holy Ghost. But if you think that the Holy Spirit is already spooky and weird, calling him a ghost just makes it so much more the worse, right? It just makes it, you're like, oh my gosh, no, get it away. And, you know, a lot of times we feel like if we experience the, the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit, as we would say, that we ourselves are going to become weird, and spooky. And I feel like that is such, you know, uh, a, a temptation or like an attack of the enemy on God's people is that he will show you someone doing something really weird and something really crazy in the name of the Holy Spirit. And then you'll naturally go, well, I don't want, I don't want that. I don't, I don't want that. And then once we distance ourselves from the Holy Spirit, we find ourselves, you know, being powerless against temptation, living in fear with anxiety, and we lose the freedom that the Holy Spirit brings to us as the people of God. And so it's actually genius on his part to do that. But um, we understand God the Father, all right? Even if we were raised with a good or bad father, we understand the role of a father, all right? We understand Jesus because he is an actual human being that walked on the earth, you know, and there's proof in history, and we can see him all over the New Testament. But the Holy Spirit, how do you gather this relationship with an in invisible person, right? And so that's what we're really going to gather into that, because what we want to do is we want to remove the fear and misunderstanding from people over the Holy Spirit so that they don't live in defeat or fear or powerless lives, Right? And so we're going to, so let me reintroduce you to the Holy Spirit. Now, if you've ever seen a good rom-com, okay, they'll have, you know, this man and this woman, they have a rocky star, and maybe they have this, like, terrible history, but they really want to start over, okay? So they have this moment where they go, can we just, can we just start over, you know? And then they'll go, it's so sappy, they'll be like, hey, I mean, they've known each other for years, hey, my name is so-and-so, hi, so-and-so, my name is Anybody, Hallmark, anybody? No? Okay, Hallmark Live. Okay, I'm kind of doing that today, all right? So I'm going to say, let me reintroduce, let's start over, let me reintroduce you to the Holy Spirit. Now, you don't have to go far in scriptures to find the Holy Spirit. He is mentioned in the second verse of the entire Bible. Genesis 1-2 says this, the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. I love how the voice translation 
words it, and you'll understand why. I'm going to go ahead and read it now, but I need you to, like, get it in your brain, and I'm going to explain it later. It says, at first the earth lacked shape and was totally empty, and a dark fog draped over the deep while God's spirit wind hovered over the surface of the empty water. So here in the beginning of time, God's spirit is hovering over darkness and chaos and bringing order to it. Isn't that just what the Holy Spirit does in our lives? In the midst of darkness and chaos, he begins to bring order to our, our lives. Now, the Holy, um, the Holy Spirit was kind of in the background until you get to about Exodus. In Exodus 31, 1 through 5, it says this. Then the Lord said to Moses, see, I have chosen uh, Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Ur, of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding and knowledge, and with all kinds of skills to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, bronze, to cut and set stones to the work in the wood, and to engage in all kinds of craft. See, God here in this moment, in this passage, is building the tabernacle where he in the Old Testament will dwell, and the thing that he uses to build it is to fill people with the Holy Spirit. So he fills his people with the Holy Spirit so that they can now do the things that they could not do on their own accord. Now, without the Spirit of God in my life, without the Holy Spirit, I am just a performer up here. I am just someone to give a speech. Without the Spirit of God, the worship team is just a band. That's all they are, people who are playing instruments. But the Holy Spirit comes upon us, and this is what we call, what we would call like anointing, okay? The anointing comes on us and gives us or empowers us to do the things that we could not do before. It gives us the ability to do that. And so the thing is, is that the Spirit of God just doesn't come over pastors to be better preachers or to be better uh, pastors. It comes over entrepreneurs to be good businessmen. It comes over artists to be better artists. It comes over teachers to be better teach. Actually, the first person is saying that he filled was a craftsman. He comes over craftsmen. So here's the thing. The anointing empowers us to do what we cannot do in our own ability. I want you to remember that. It was the Holy Spirit who anointed Joshua to go into the promised land. It was the, uh, the Holy Spirit that anointed Samson with his strength. It was the Holy Spirit that anointed Daniel to interpret dreams. It was the Holy Spirit that anointed David as king. And it was the Holy Spirit that anointed Zerubbabel to build the temple. In the same way that the Holy Spirit was working in the Old Testament, he now comes and he is working in the New Testament. It says this in Matthew 1.18. I know I'm moving fast because I have so much. Matthew 1.18, he says this. Mary was engaged to, to marry Joseph, son of David. They had not married, and yet sometime well before their wedding date, Mary learned that she was pregnant by what? The Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit is continuing to do things that we can't do on our own and make things known. Watch this. Later in Jesus' life, I love this. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River, and he was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. See, Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he was led by the Holy Spirit because what we are filled with is what we'll be led by. And so if we are filled with greed, then we will be led by money. And if we are filled with anxiety, we will be led by fear. 
And if we are filled with ourselves, then we'll be led by our selfish desires. But Jesus here was filled with the Holy Spirit, and then he was led by the Holy Spirit. If you want to be led by the Holy Spirit, you have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, listen to this in Acts 10.44. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all, that, on all who heard the message. See, right now, I'm hoping that my gift is working. But I also am hoping that the Holy Spirit is now coming upon you and is also working in your lives through me in this moment. Because the thing is, our gifts are impressive. They are. But the anointing is impactful. And so a part of like our church and a part of churches around is we don't need more gifts and talents. And here at City Point Church, we don't care about that. What we care about is impact. And what we care about is the presence of God through his Holy Spirit impacting you today, tomorrow, the next day, your children, your grandchildren, and continuing to move in your lives through the Holy Spirit. Romans 8.11 says this. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Dang. That's powerful in itself. Like just, whew. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. So it doesn't matter if your marriage is dead. It doesn't matter if your business is dead. It doesn't matter if your relationship with your children is dead. The same spirit who resurrected Christ from the dead can and will resurrect the dead things that are in your life. Come on, that was good, right? <laughs> Melissa got it. <laughs> the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead can cause every dead thing in your life to come alive. Is that not insane? And then that's why we pray, or we sang earlier, we want more of your presence. We need more of your spirit. We need more. We need more. Let us become aware of your presence because where your presence is, that's your power. And that's what I need in my life. This is what the New Testament says that the uh, Holy Spirit does for you. The Holy Spirit empowers you to love. The Holy Spirit reveals deep things of God. The Holy Spirit distributes gifts to those who believe. The Holy Spirit edifies the church. The Holy Spirit brings freedom. The Holy Spirit strengthens you with power in your inner being. The Holy Spirit makes you righteous and holy. The Holy Spirit builds you into the person you were meant to become. The Holy Spirit empowers you to speak the good news to others. The Holy Spirit helps you understand and recall the teachings of Jesus. The Holy Spirit leads, guides, and directs. The Holy Spirit gives you joy. He gives you hope. He gives you discernment. He gives you wisdom. The Holy Spirit pours the love of God out of your heart. The Holy Spirit helps you in your weakness and prays for you when you don't know what to pray. The Holy Spirit pleads for you in your case before God. He's your advocate, your helper, defense attorney, the down payment of heaven, the presence and power of God living within you, the promise to complete the work that Jesus began in you to those who believe. That is what the Holy Spirit does in your life. So can we live without him? No. We cannot. We cannot ignore him. Now, I don't know uh, how many of you in this room 
lived in the era of the, like, original Nintendos or, like, Super Nintendos or Nintendo 64s. Okay, yeah, yeah, we got a bunch, we got a bunch, all right. Now, because Gen, Gen Z or Gen X and millennials are so nostalgic, I feel like even Gen Zs will understand this concept because it's come back and it's like we millennials, like, we need to let you know what we used to go through, okay? So when you were playing the old Nintendo or even Super Nintendo or Nintendo 64 and your game wouldn't work anymore, you would, y'all remember, everybody's shaking, they already know what they had to do, all right? You would pull the, the game out and you would you'd put it up to your mouth and you'd, yeah, everybody's out there already doing it before I got there. Then you would open it up and you'd stick your mouth to it and you'd, and you would blow in there, right? And when you would blow your fresh wind or breath in there, maybe it was fresh. It may have been stanky. I don't know. It would all of a sudden return to the state that it was supposed to do. Now, the cool thing about the Greek word for the Holy Spirit is pneuma. Pneuma. It's the root word that we get pneumonia from, okay? Pneumonia, which is a sickness that allows you to not be able to breathe. The word pneuma means wind or breath or spirit. And so that's why I said I loved at the beginning of this message that the voice translation went ahead and put it out as it's supposed to be translated. Is that the spirit wind of God was hovering over the earth. And so a lot of times all we need, just like those old Nintendos, is a fresh wind of God's presence and a fresh wind of God's spirit in our lives so that we can be refreshed, be made new, and begin to walk in what we've always been called to walk in, right? And so let me, put the, let me say this. The answer to every prayer you pray is more of the Holy Spirit. You say, no, 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 Tiffany, I need more love. Well, Romans 5 says the love of God is poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. No, 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 I need to be free from sin. It says in uh, 2 Corinthians, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. All right, you know, say, no, 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 I need more peace and joy. Romans 14 says the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. You say, no, 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 I need power, I need power. Jesus said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So the Holy Spirit isn't meant to be this thing that we fear or this thing that we just go crazy, like lose our minds with. He is essential to everything that we need in our lives. The answer to every prayer you pray will be more of the Holy Spirit. So how can we develop this relationship with the Holy Spirit? Because that's right, because some of us, you know, we got the Father, we've accepted Jesus, but this is God's presence with us always. So how do we develop this relationship? Well, I've got three practical ways to develop this relationship with the Holy Spirit in your life. The first one is in like every relationship that you have with one another. You've got to find out what they love and you got to find out what they hate, okay? Now, when Jason and I were barely married, okay, we were first married. This story is not going to paint me in a good light, okay? So I'm just going to go ahead and admit that. All right, so when we were first married, um, I, I was cleaning the house. So our house was trashed, 
and I was cleaning it, and I was cleaning it good because I was raised how to clean a house, okay? And although I hate cleaning, so if anybody wants to, you know, fund a cleaner to come clean my house every week, that would be fine. I hate cleaning, Okay, I do. It hurts my back. I, I usually get in my, my mind. I'm, I usually get mad at people. I have fake conversations where I'm telling someone off. I mean, all, I, I don't know. I get angry. I'm mad because pe- how these people are so nasty. That's just all I'm thinking. Everybody's so nasty. How can we let the house kiss in the sun? I hate it, okay? But the one thing that I love is when it's all said and done, this is my thing. When it's all said and done, I just sit. And I have the best peace when I just sit in this clean house. And that's my thing. Sometimes I'll turn the lights off. Sometimes I'll just do whatever and I just sit in it. I love this clean house. Well, when me and Jason were first married, I cleaned the house. And it was terrible. And this was before he used to help me clean because he wasn't raised to know how to clean. I taught him. But he knows how to clean now. But anyways. So, but here's the horrible thing. And this was the moment that I think Jason realized that he may have married a psychopath, okay? And um, because I, I had just finished cleaning, and I was like, oh, it's so nice. Oh, it's so great. And I walk into the bathroom, and I flip open the switch, and all over the sink is water on the nice silver that I had made shining, the faucet, the mirror, the, just the counter. I'm like, did he wash his hands and then dry them like this? Like, what was he doing? And I flipped. Like I said, this is not paying me in a good light. I flipped. And I was like, how could you do this? Oh, my God. I just cleaned the house. I spent hours. My back hurts. Da, da, da. I just wanted to enjoy this for the first time. And he's just, like, looking at me like, she's crazy. Like, what did I do? <laughs> like, is it too soon to get divorced? I don't know. Anyways, the point of the story is this. That day, Jason learned something that I really hate. Okay? If I work to clean the house, it has to stay that way, at least for a little bit. And so if you see him washing his hands, he does this now. And he turns the faucet off like this, all right? The same with the Holy Spirit. We have to find out what grieves the Holy Spirit and don't do it. Jason loves me. He found out, hey, she doesn't like that. And so from now on, for the most part, especially when I'm clean, he tries not to get stuff on the faucet silver or around the thing. And he just, even other day I cleaning, I heard him telling the boys, "Uh, don't mess anything up. Don't mess anything up. Just let her enjoy it. Just let her enjoy it for this one moment. Because he loves me and he wants to please me, right? The same thing with the Holy Spirit. When we're building this relationship, it says this. The Bible is not, a, it's, it's not secretive. It always tells you flat out most of the time what it likes and doesn't like. Get this. It says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And then it starts to name all the things that grieves the Holy Spirit. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking but be put away from you with all malice. And then it says what he loves. And be kind to one another. Tender hearted. Forgiving one another. Even as God in Christ forgave you. So you want to start building this relationship with the Holy Spirit. Then you do the things that you know that he loves. And you don't do the things that you know he doesn't love. 
what is crazy about this scripture is that the things that please the Holy Spirit and the things that don't all have to do with the way that we treat other people. Because people matter to God, do they not? People matter to God and how we treat people matters to God. It says that they're right in Ephesians. If you want to live in this power-filled Holy Spirit in relationship, in covenant with God here on earth, let go of your anger. Let go of your bitterness. Let go of your evil speaking about other people. Be tenderhearted. Be kind. Be forgiving. And let go of all unforgiveness. Whenever we violate the law of love, it grieves the Holy Spirit. So the first thing we do is we've got to find out what the Holy Spirit likes and doesn't like. Okay, so don't grieve the Holy Spirit. But two, keep in step with the Holy Spirit. Um, when it comes to relationships, I, I've seen this. I've never experienced this before in my relationship. But some couples, their relationship may be based on these grand gestures, okay? Jason did a really good proposal, and then that was the last I've ever seen of a grand, a grand gesture, okay? But they may, you know, do these big, uh, you know, trips, you know, oh, I'm going to take you here. Or they do these big events for them and all this kind of stuff, the grand gestures. But what I have noticed, and usually the couples that are doing the greatest aren't usually the couples that are living in these grand gestures, but they are the couples that make daily choices to honor and love one another. Those are the couples normally doing pretty good, right? It is the same with the Holy Spirit. Now, we may feel to grow in the Holy Spirit and to grow in God, I need to go, you know, to a, I need to crawl, uh, you know, go across the country to a conference where I know that the Holy Spirit is, or I, I need to go on a missions trip, or I need to go to the mountains and fast for three days and uh, just pray and pray and pray. And all those things, those are good. If you want to do those, great. But you don't need those grand gestures to experience the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is in every day keeping in step keeping it in obedience with him. This is what the Bible says. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Keeping in step with the Holy Spirit is about small daily acts of obedience. If he tells you to give, give. If he speaks to you and tells you to go, go. If he tells you to encourage, encourage. Just whatever he says do, do. And in these total easy steps, anyone can do it. Anyone ever been to like a dance or go somewhere dancing? So like I make everywhere I go a place to dance. Okay, we were at the bowling alley on girls night. And I was like, I mean, I even bowled dancing. I was like, you know, I'm like going down, you know. So I, I love to dance, but not everyone likes to dance, right? Not everybody's feeling it. Maybe some people feel like they got two left feet or whatever. But it doesn't matter who you are and what you like about dancing. If you are at a party and the cha-cha slide or the Cupid shuffle comes on, then all of a sudden everybody's a dancer in the house, right? Because the steps are easy. You don't even have to be good. It tells you what to do. To the left, to the left, right? You know, to the right, you know, you, you know, hop one time this time or whatever, stomp, whatever. It tells you what to do. It keeps you in step. Anyone can do it. That's how the Holy Spirit is. It's very easy to keep in step with 
the Holy Spirit. And as for all to do, it is as easy as the cha-cha slide. Or the Macarena. That one's really easy. All right. So, get this. Stay doing it, stay in step with the Holy Spirit. Make sure you find out what he loves and what he doesn't love. And three, make room. Make room for the Holy Spirit in your life. Sam, you can go ahead and come up. I'm going to close on this. Whenever you whenever you're studying the word of God, or doing a word study, it, it's good to find where that word is also in the Bible and compare and see what God is doing. So when Jesus appeared um, to the disciples, it says he breathed on them and they received the Holy Spirit in John 20, 22. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. But that word received is used in another part of the New Testament as well. Same word. And it's when the disciples were on a little fishing boat out in the water and Jesus wasn't with them. And then he comes to them walking on water. So here he is walking on water. And it says this in John 6, 21. Then they willingly received him into the boat. So if you've got 12 guys in a fishing boat and you want to add one more to the boat, what do you got to do? You got to move and make room. You got to shift. You got to adjust. And if we want to receive the Holy Spirit in our lives, then we are going to have to shift our lives. We're going to have to adjust our lives and make room for him in it. In every aspect of our lives, make room. In your biggest decisions, in your smallest decisions, make room for the Holy Spirit. I don't know what I'm supposed to do with my life when I grow up. Ask the Holy Spirit. I don't know what to do in this situation. Ask the Holy Spirit. I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to pray. Make room for the Holy Spirit. Because with the Holy Spirit comes direction. With the Holy Spirit comes power. With the Holy Spirit comes freedom. With the Holy Spirit comes joy, come peace. Anything that you need in your life can be answered with the Holy Spirit. Do you feel like He's necessity in your life today? Do you feel like this is something that you need? The fresh wind of God to flow in this place and refresh us and to make us new and to make us function in the way that we were created to function in. I, I tell you, I can't live without the Holy Spirit, without the presence of God in my life. I literally don't even know if I would know how to function without Him. God, I don't know what, how to raise my kids. Tell me what to do. Tell me how to respond in this situation. I don't know how to respond. I need your guidance. I'm struggling with this and I can't let it go. I need your freedom. In every situation, we have to make room. If you wouldn't mind, would you stand to your feet?
And these are just some few practical tools that we could use in our daily life. Let's not grieve the Holy Spirit. Let's keep in line, keep on obedience with us. If he says, go, go. If he says, get away, get away. Anything that he says, do, do. And then let's make room. Let's make room for him. So what I want to let you do right now is I just want everyone in this room to close their eyes.